Hello, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Don't forget, we drop episodes every week here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. This week's guest is UTRGV men's soccer head coach, Paul Lease. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Good day, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley. Welcome to another edition of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. Don't forget, fans, we drop an episode every week on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Joining me this week from UTRGV Men's Soccer is the head coach, Liverpool fan number one in the Valley, of course, Mr. Paul Lease. Coach Lease, welcome to the program. Ray, thanks a lot. Um, thanks for having me. And I'm glad you said that right off the bat because I'm looking forward, I'm sure you are too, uh, later today watching uh, Jordan Henderson lift the Premier League trophy. Um, so looking forward to today's game at Anfield. Uh, it's been a long time coming, so uh, it's going to be a good day. Definitely, Coach, and uh, let's get this started. How has the recruiting trail uh, affected your, uh, I guess, during these uh, prevalent times with COVID-19, how has the recruiting trail uh, affected you? Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly been, been a unique time, uh, certainly strange. I, I think we've actually been fortunate um, just with the, the, the natural way recruiting has gone for us this past year. We did have a, you know, a large group of seniors graduate. So this incoming class is quite substantial. So we'd already taken care of that you know, over a year ago. Um, so what that did was it, it allowed us to focus on just a small number of players that we need for 2021. And I think we've already identified those. We've already got a number of commitments. So it'll only be a small class. We've virtually, I feel, finalized it so fortunately for us i don't think we'll be negatively impacted but what we haven't been able to do um, which is typical of, of the spring time for most you know d1 coaches is this would be the year that we would be heavily identifying our 2022 recruits so i guess a year from now that remains to be seen the impact it'll have and with the outgoing seniors that you had, uh, one of those uh, being uh, Kyle Edwards, uh, now he signed on a, a professionally. That's your second straight uh, pro, uh, a pro player that comes out of UTRGV. How important is that to your program? It, it's been great. Uh, you know, in fact, just this past um, Sunday, I think he uh, he made his debut. He's been struggling with, with injuries a little bit. He's a, he's a big, strong, powerful young man. Um, so sometimes he, he pulls those muscles a little bit too easily. But no, it's been fantastic to see him. We're actually at, at three. The last two years, we now have three guys um, playing in the pros. He's Cesar Martinez, who I'm, I'm sure you're very aware of down there with the Toros. He, he's done a fantastic job now over the last two seasons. Kyle has joined him. Um, and Arthur Rogers is actually playing, um, you know, up in Connecticut with Hartford Athletic. So I know those boys are doing a great job. We're, we're very proud of them. Uh, for me personally, it's it's great to see 
my players continuing their career, you know, knowing them as well as I do and, and, and wanting to see them be successful personally in their future. But like you mentioned, I think it's also fantastic for our program. It shows the development that our players are receiving here. It shows the opportunities that they have, the exposure that they get, not only just at UTRGV, but in the WAC as well. Our conferences, you know, not only an incredibly strong conference, but we're very widespread. So we have a chance to expose our players, you know, all over the West, the Midwest, in a lot of cities that actually have MLS teams. So now it's been fantastic. So looking forward to, to watching those guys continue to succeed. And you say, I mean, besides from the academic, at what point does a collegiate soccer coach know that this player has pro prospects opportunities to either continue playing here in the United States or, or even in the uh, third and fourth divisions of Europe? Uh, how, how does a coach just get that feeling that, okay, this guy has a little bit of something He's done well academically, which is more important. But yet, if the player decides to play a, uh, a professional career in soccer, especially here in the U.S. or even outside of the U.S., uh, how does a coach find out? <laughs> Good question, Ray. <laughs> if we could know that one, I think we'd all be you know, putting out full teams if we could predict the, the future. Um, now, it's incredibly difficult. Um, certainly we will come across players and I've had players, you know, play for me at the college level with tremendous talent. Um, but we all know talent is not enough, particularly at the professional level. There's a, a very high degree of, of commitment and discipline that is required. You know, there's almost, uh, there's also, you know, to a certain degree, an element of luck. Do you fit in well with the, the professional coaches that are, identifying you at that time. Um, you know, I, I can share with you a, a couple of quick stories. Um, you know, when I was an assistant coach, uh, I actually coached at Furman University um, and Clint Dempsey was on the roster there. So I, I coached Clint Dempsey when he was uh, at Furman University. I was an assistant there um, and he was an incredibly talented player. You could see it at the college level, um, you know, but I, I think during his college time, he maybe wasn't as mature as he, be, he went on to become. And, you know, I don't think he developed his work ethic um, to the degree, you know, that it was later in, in his professional career. And with all the talent he had, it wasn't clear to me that he would go on to be a professional. I thought that he would have a lot of difficulty uh, and then go on to see that he's probably had probably the most uh, prolific professional career of any American player. So it, it's so difficult to say, you know, you can take a Cesar Martinez. He was certainly someone that we all felt had incredibly um, strong likelihood to play professional. He had the talent, he had the work ethic, he had the attitude and he developed well and, and, and had the soccer IQ, but it was still a, a slow path for him because um, there weren't many professional coaches or scouts that probably saw that potential in him. We were fortunate that we knew it. Jerson knew it really well because he had a chance to, you know, Jerson Echeverry, the coach of RGVFC, he'd seen um, Isidro play numerous times. So it, it goes to show you, um, there's a lot of incredibly talented players that do not go on to play professional. And then the players who probably have that high degree of commitment and discipline, you know, they keep moving forward and they're able to forge a career.
So a very difficult though, rate to try and predict. All right, you mentioned a very good example in Clint Dempsey out of Waxahachie, Texas. Texas uh, being the big recruiting pipeline, how important has, has it been throughout your career to get a lot of the in-state kids to play for UTRGV and try to continuously grow that pipeline of in-state talent and try to bring them down here to the Valley? Well, that was one of the things that, that certainly attracted me to the, the head coach position here at UTRGV. Um, I knew coming in that, you know, I would have a wealth of talent in state, you know, we're one of the largest, we are the largest state um, here in the U.S. And I believe still currently, I know a couple of years ago, Texas was number two for producing the highest number of professional players in the MLS. Only California produced more. So I knew that we had tremendous talent. That is one of the things that, you know, we're fortunate with here at UTRGV. You know, being a state school, we obviously provide not only a fantastic University of Texas um, education for our players, but we also provide a, a very cost-effective one too. So I know we have a large number of players that can come in and play for us just here within the state of Texas. Our biggest challenge was that we were building a team from scratch. So when I first arrived here, our first season in 2015, all those great players in the state of Texas had not heard anything about UTRGV. We were a brand new name as well as a brand new program. So it certainly took a few years for us to really prove to the players here that we could provide them with not only a great environment for them to develop, but also an environment and a platform for them to move on in their careers. Because with the talent that we have here in Texas, and that goes for, you know, right from here in the Valley, but you stretch that up to the, you know, the large urban area, you know, cities like Houston, Dallas, also into Austin, um, you know, San Antonio, even out there in, in El Paso, that there's so many good players. Um, we now have a reputation that we've developed that they see our program. You know, we've been in the top 25 for the last two years uh, running in the NCAA. Um, you know, we're producing professional players now. So I, I know that, the young players here in the state of Texas see our program as a great environment for them to get their education, develop as players, and hopefully put themselves in a position to become professionals. So now we're very fortunate with that. As I'm being joined by UTRGV men's soccer coach, head men's soccer coach, Paul Lees. Uh, coach, now we jump into a different subject. Well, one of my favorite subjects, the Premier League. And, and the UEFA Champions League. Liverpool clinched uh, some time back already. Now they, they close out, uh, they're attempting to close out with the highest amount of, of points possible. At what point did you believe that Liverpool could win it? I know you're not the biggest Jurgen Klopp fan, but I'll go ahead and let you take the stage on this one. Yeah. Nah, hey, I, I've become a believer in Klopp. I remember we've had a number of conversations going back the last few years. He, he's one of the most exciting coaches. You know, the teams that he builds, they're, they're so attack-minded, they're so aggressive. So he, he's great to watch. I remember a number of conversations you and I have had. And I think in the first couple of years, he probably really only had one thought in his mind, and that was just to attack, attack, attack. And unfortunately, in the Premier League, uh, we had many games that right in those last 10, 15 minutes, 
we would end up slipping up and losing. And I think, you know, primarily that was because we didn't control the whole 90 minutes, um, you know, maybe as well as we should. He's definitely learned. You saw the consistency for the last two years has been absolutely incredible. I think he's managing those 90 minutes better. And, and that's allowed us just to be as dominant as we've been this year. Um, last year, I think 97 points. And only because of the brilliance of Man City, we weren't able to, to win the league. But this year, they've been incredible to watch. Um, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough that I remember when I was young, you know, during the 80s when I was watching Liverpool, I saw many league titles won. I was watching the great teams of, you know, Dalglish and Rush and, and Aldridge and Barnes and Beardsley and, you know, some incredible players when we were winning championships. So I was a little bit tentative this year. I didn't want to, you know, count my chickens. If you like. <laughs> I wanted to make sure it was a, a guarantee before I celebrated. But nah, the team's been incredible this year to watch. The only negative thing is that since we came across the, you know, since the, the coronavirus uh, epidemic came in, it's just, it, it's sad that the, the fans won't be there inside Anfield today to cheer on, you know, when Henderson lifts the trophy. So that's, that's the only negative after, you know, waiting this long for us to win the championship. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Yeah, de definitely. In fact, for me, the one moment that Liverpool let the Premier League title slip away was when they played against Man City. Mohamed Salah had that ball cleared out from the goal line where Liverpool ended up losing that game 2-1. to one. Had that ball gone in, that would have been a 2-2 draw, and the title league would have gone to the last day for me. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with that, but nah. I think that was the one moment that kind of like, okay, that's where the momentum shifted to Man City's way, and yeah. it's like, uh-oh. Yeah. Now, I saw, yeah, I agree, and I even put that, in the same category as, as Klopp, you know, still was so driven to attack, attack, attack. We did get the equaliser, it was 1-1. One, one. Um, we obviously went on to lose 2-1. But at the point in which we were drawing 1-1, one, one, it was more important to prevent City from obviously gaining three points than it was for us necessarily to win three points. We would have remained in, in, ahead. So I think at that stage, I remember thinking the best thing to do was to just shut the game down. Yes, if we can get the, the winning goal, great. But the most important thing was to make sure that we didn't concede. But we just kept on attacking, attacking. We got caught and we lost the game 2-1. So hopefully that's something that not only Klopp, but I think the team as a whole, you know, they've matured, they've learned. And, and that's the ability of championship winning teams. You have to manage every minute of the 90 in every game. Because when you're talking about, you know, championships, the margins are so fine between pulling off that win. You know, this is over 38 games, you know, a full season at the highest level. You make one mistake. And when you're playing against teams like Man City, and you, you can throw in, you know, the Chelsea's, the... Um, you know, the Arsenal's, the United's as well. You make one mistake, that could be just the mistake that costs you the league title. Yeah. And even the Tottenham's too with Jose Mourinho. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now it, it's exciting to watch the Premier League. There are so many, you know, high-level teams, high-level managers. Yes, the fact that there's so much money in there, we are able to attract, you know, some of the best players and best managers in the world. But there's also there's also something innate, you know, something about the, you know, it's almost like the the personality of the league, that British, you know, sense of of bulldog spirit. We won't accept boring games. You know, the fans demand high intensity. You know, the teams and the players will just always look, whether it's the, the team in last place, you know, playing as the team in first place, you still don't quite know how it's going to turn out. Definitely, definitely. And now let's move on to the next conversation of topic, the UEFA Champions League. Lots of handicap uh, challenges there. Why? Because you got Olympique Lyon, who hasn't touched the ball in five months. You've got the two German sides, Red Bull Leipzig, Bayern Munich, who haven't touched a soccer ball in the last couple of months. Spain just wrapped up, so they'll be a little bit warm. How do you fancy the remaining British sides' chances of at least keeping the Champions League trophy in Britain? Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, not only you know are you dealing with teams that you know may have already wrapped up. You know, France being one. You know, the the leagues that are finishing up. It, it almost becomes, especially in the new format too, that there's not going to be home and away. It's going to be a, a tournament-based you know um, structure, and it's a one-off game. So really, it, it, it's going to follow the path of a you know, a World Cup type scenario. You know, you, you're going to have a summer tournament. You know, you're going to have supposedly players that may have rested for a while. So you mentioned they haven't played. I mean, that's true, but they may also benefit from, you know, a little bit of extra recovery time. It, it's been so strange watching the games without fans. That's going to be a massive factor. You can see it. The players are driven. Every you know, competitive athlete, even if it's the, the college level for us here, all the way up to the, you know, the highest level, um, you know, in, in the professional leagues, the fans drive on the players. And when you don't have that energy and that noise inside the stadium, it can lead to some very flat games. And we've seen that, you know, with the return of the, the European leagues. Um, so it, it, it's, it's going to be a really interesting tournament. I think it's probably not going to be as, as exciting as, as it would be if you'd had the fans in there, if you'd have still had it finishing up right now with the, the final, you know, towards the end of the, the season. But it's going to make it different. And I think for true fans of soccer that like to identify, you know, the tactics that take place, the moments in games that change the, you know, the outcome, I, I think it's very interesting for us to watch, particularly as a coach, you now get to see maybe a few more, you know, little insights into the game that maybe you don't get to see ordinarily. As I'm being joined by UTRGV men's head soccer coach, Paul Lease. Coach Lease, got to ask you, Leeds United back after 16 years. What do you make of them making that comeback to the yeah, Premier League? I, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I mean, I've followed... Um, you know, I've seen Bielsa, you know, work with that team. I, I followed Leeds all last year. I saw their documentary that, that was on Amazon. And, and it's incredible to watch, you know, Bielsa. And we just talked about Klopp and his incredibly aggressive style. 
Bielsa is probably at the top of that, you know, uh, coaches um, list for, for coaches that just want to run over you. I mean, completely run you over, do not give you a second to breathe. And I think he also probably struggled a little bit with his first um, seasons in the, you know, in the English league. Um, because you just don't realize the intensity of the teams, no matter if it's the team at the bottom. So they were leading for a long time last year, and then they, they just kind of slipped off and, and almost capitulated at the end. They should have had promotion to the Premier League last year. They didn't get it. So I'm sure he learned from that. I'm sure he was able to manage the 90 minutes better. But I, I think they're an exciting team to watch. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to having them come into the Premier League. Uh, I'll never forget, I was growing up when they were going into the administration issues while battling Champions League. That was kind of like a little bit disheartening to see such a historic club like that just fall off to the tail side and not hear from uh, a decade. And now you bring in a high-profiled coach like Bielsa who, who just – brings them up not instantly but he did take his time because it it is a, a second division in which it's it's a, I would probably say that the English championship is probably a little bit more tougher than the British Premier League only because of what's involved when it comes to relegation and promotion there yeah I think you're right uh, I think pressure wise you know right now the the opportunity to get into the Premier League is worth so many millions, you know, to these clubs. So the pressure's put on the managers, the, the, you know, the board of directors, if you like, as well, you know, as well as the players. Uh, you could also make the argument that in the, uh, the championship, you may not quite have the, you know, the gap between those at the top who have absolute millions. So it's probably more even throughout the championship, which makes it even more difficult to win. Um, you know, it, it's an incredible, you know, achievement, you know, when you do manage to, to win a league championship, whether it's the Premier League, whether it's the championship, it doesn't matter what division, you know, the, the, the slog it takes from, you know, June and preseason all the way until the following May. You know, we don't get a, a, a Christmas break in the English leagues. And, you know, anyone who can push through that kind of, you know, schedule and still manage to, you know, to stay consistent and win, then, you know, you've got to respect what they've done. So now definitely looking forward to seeing what, what Leeds can bring. And it's also, you know, a good little battle going on to see who can stay in the Premier League. I think Bournemouth, Villa, and I think Watford are really trying to fight this out. You know, there's one of them's going to escape. So we'll we'll also have a you know a good little fight going on at the bottom. You know, you bring up Watford. This statement comes to mind. What were they thinking, letting go of Nigel Pearson? Yeah, it's you know again we just talked about the pressure. You know, the pressure financially to stay in the Premier League. They are willing with just two games remaining, you know, they are willing to fire their coach, you know, which sounds just extraordinary. And the only reason they're doing it is because they hope, which is often the case, whenever you do have a change in leadership, whether it's a manager, there is a slight change of mentality 
and they're hoping it's a positive change that can just push those players, you know, to earn whether it's six more vital points, whatever it takes to hold on to their Premier League status. So you've got to feel sorry for, for Nigel Pearson. You know, he came in when they were in a very poor position and he has significantly improved where they were. Um, and okay, they're still fighting, you know, for their lives, but, you know, it just shows you the pressure that is put on, you know, these high level, you know, professional athletes. Yes, there's millions of dollars that they're being paid, but you can also see why all these managers turn gray very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm being joined by UTRGV heads, men's soccer coach, Paul Lees. Coach Lees, got to ask you now, I know COVID has played a, a very uh, bad stranglehold on to what you've onto what you love doing with UTRGV, which is uh, trying to bring in the best possible recruits down here and being uh, a full-time soccer coach. And I know you're full-time dad with little ones. Uh, what, what's been the more challenging part for you d during this epidemic? Yeah, no, it, uh, it's been incredibly tough. It, it's difficult to put into words. Um, you know, you, you see the, you know, the disruption you know, all over the country, all over the world. Um, you know, here we are, we've been put in, in hold. So yeah, it's been very difficult not being able to train and work with our players. You know, that's my job. That, that's what I enjoy doing more than anything. The time I spend with my players, my student athletes, working with them, you know, anyone who's involved in, in sports and particularly team sports, you know, your team becomes your family. You know, you really do love each other. You, you, you're, you're with each other every day. So to have that taken away is difficult. Um, but we've got to put it in context as well of, you know, people who, you know, have lost their jobs. You know, when you had um, businesses closed down, family-owned businesses that are going through a lot of struggles. Um, you know, it's an incredibly challenging time. It's very difficult. So we have to understand that. And, and the best thing that we can do is, you know, stick together make sure that we do everything possible to make whatever it is we're involved with, whether it's the university, whether it's a private business, um, we've got to try and do whatever we can to keep that as successful as it can be in this strange time. Um, so that when we do finally get on the other side of this, we can come back stronger. So certainly we're very aware of that. For us personally, yeah, it's been very difficult for our players. They haven't been here on campus, you know, after spring break, everyone returned home because the, the classes went online. So that was a challenge. I'm proud of our players that we were able to focus, even though they weren't here. You know, we did a very good job in the classroom. We had our highest GPA um, since I've been here at UCLGB for that semester. So we're now focusing on what can we do to prepare our players, even though they're not here. So it's like an extended summer break, only we don't have the you know, the PDL league, you know, the USL leagues to help them stay fit. So we've just stressed a lot of one, you know, personal downtime to, to recover. You know, you try and, and make the most of it in the sense that, you know, the players at least are not getting burned out by running from a fall season, a spring season and a summer season. Um, so we try and, and take advantage of that and also use the time that we have to maybe share tactical things with them. You know, we'll give them projects, we'll have presentations, you know, Zoom has become, you know, vitally important to us now and staying connected with our players. Um, so we're, we're trying to find ways to keep them, 
you know, mentally connected and also asking them to be disciplined enough to physically stay as fit as they can, you know, while they have their, um, you know, difficulties by training alone, wherever they're, you know, living as well. So no, no, no doubt about it, Ray, very, very unusual circumstances. No one was prepared for this. Um, coach, uh, uh, last question I have here for you. I mean, aside from trying to keep your players uh, in, in check and they, you know, having to take care of the little ones and, and the family to be with, what's been the biggest hobby that you've been able to catch up with, like outside of your coaching duties? <laughs> uh, I've got a good one for you here, Ray. <clears throat> uh, first of all, you know, yes, this is the first thing I, I said to my players when, when they obviously um, were stuck at home. You know, we really encourage them to spend more time with their family members. You know, sadly, that's something that we probably, we don't realize how invested we get into our jobs. You know, we're at work all day. Sometimes you bring your work home. I know for me personally, I'll come home at night and, you know, I'll scout games. So I'll go straight onto the TV or the computer and I'll watch more soccer games or I'll, I'll review our own, you know, game video from one of our, um, you know, recent games. So you don't spend as much time with your family, whether that's your spouse, whether that's your children. Um, for our boys, we're encouraging them to spend as much time as, we, as they can with their parents. Um, so yeah, we, we talk about that first of all. Um, but no, for me personally, yes, I've, I've jumped into a little bit more preparation for the team. So I've reviewed our games. I've, I've created more um, presentations that I think can tactically help our players. Um, but two things I've done. One, I'm sure, will not surprise you. Um, I've read a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy reading. I've got a, uh, a small library here of, um, of autobiographies. I love reading about professional players and trying to gain insight into what their lives are like, you know, behind the scenes. So I've certainly read a little bit more, which has been enjoyable. But here's the probably more surprising one. Um, I actually delved into woodworking. Oh, so look at that. I, I, I never had any interest in it in the past. And it really probably came about um, my two young children. I've got two little boys. They're seven and nine years of age. And they're actually big into uh, American Ninja Warrior. You know, we have a, um, an American Ninja Warrior um, contestant, Abel Gonzalez, who lives here in the Valley. Mm -hmm. And you know, he was on the TV show, a uh, fantastic young man, an incredibly committed and disciplined athlete. And he has his own gym. My, my, my two little boys go to his gym. Well, during the, you know, the stay at home, um, you know, orders, they didn't have a lot of access. So I built them uh, a small little um, climbing frame slash gym in the back garden. And I, I built that out of wood and, and, and I've actually become very interested in woodworking. So I spent a little bit of time in the garage um, tinkering around and I can say that it's been mentally calming and relaxing. So that's one of the things that has at least kept me sane as well during these last few months. <laughs> Coach, I appreciate the time and effort uh, in joining me in this podcast. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you again very soon, uh, as soon as all this stuff ends. And I just don't want to thank you for joining me today. Uh, Ray, no, I greatly appreciate it. You know, you, you do a fantastic job as well. I know you cover all the sports down here in the Valley. Uh, I'm hoping very shortly we'll be allowed back in 
I know the Toros have, have obviously kicked off again on EBSC. I watched the game on TV this past weekend, but I'm looking forward to getting out there and hopefully watching them in person. So yeah, looking forward to seeing you again soon. Definitely make sure, do not work today during the Liverpool game. Get yourself in front of the TV so we can, we can celebrate watching um, Henderson and the team lift the trophy. Enjoy it. And again, Ray, thank you very much. Thank you, Coach, and we'll see and we'll see you very soon. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye. Dan, thanks a lot, man. No problem. That was awesome. Good job, Coach. Good job, Ray. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, the easiest thing is to talk about soccer, right? Yeah, right. definitely. Yeah. Anytime you need anything, and definitely, I'm hoping that we can get out and watch the Toros play. Thank you, sports fans, for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget, we have episodes every week here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast is also available on Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and on Spotify. Just search for South Texas Border Sports. Don't forget to follow our other social media pages on Instagram, South Texas Border Sports, Facebook, you can also search for South Texas Border Sports. And for interesting tidbits in sports, you can search for them on Twitter. Just search for South Texas Border Sports. <laughs>